you have your notes today, we're going to be in Exodus chapter 5. We're starting to roll through Exodus here. And this is where we're going to get up to where Moses is going to talk to Pharaoh about letting the people go. So last time we talked about how Moses was called by God to go and talk to Pharaoh and tell him to let the people go. Uh, and they were going to let Pharaoh's going to let them go into the wilderness um, and then go out to where they can worship and praise God. And God instructs Moses to do this. Now, most of us know the story that Pharaoh is not going to let the people go until God eventually forces him to do so. But I want you guys to think about something here before you get to the plagues and go through some of that later on. I want you guys to see the very first response Pharaoh has to Moses. So I think there's a lot of things we can learn from our society today on how Pharaoh responds and how typically our world around us responds to Christianity today. But um, some lessons we can learn through that. So yep, if you have your Bibles or you have your notepads, uh, write down Exodus chapter 5. And we're going to start in verses 1 through 2. It says, Afterward Moses and Aaron went in and told Pharaoh, Thus says the Lord God of Israel, Let my people go, that they may hold a feast to me in the wilderness. And Pharaoh said, Now I want you guys to catch this. And Pharaoh said, Who is the Lord? that I should obey his voice to let Israel go. I do not know the Lord, nor will I let Israel go. So it's kind of interesting there. And the very first thing that Pharaoh says, when Moses comes in and Aaron, and they say, hey, God told us to let the people go. You need to do this, okay? This is what God is telling you and telling us to do. Pharaoh's response is not, oh, you guys are idiots. Or, I'm the best of the best, things like that. His first response is, why would I do that? I don't know God. So what do you guys think about that concept today? There's a lot of people in your schools, a lot of people in society, even a lot of people in church that simply just don't know God. And so we start to tell them about God and tell them, you know, who God is and what he's done for them. You know, they, have, they might not have any knowledge of that. And so we have to kind of start from phase one. But I want you guys to think about perspective today that if you don't know God, some ways that you would react. So if you had no idea who God was, you never grew up in church, you never read your Bible, you didn't listen to worship music on the radio, and you had no idea of who God was, think about some ways that you would act differently. Your higher life would look differently. So if you're Pharaoh and you've, you've grown up and you've worshipped these pagan gods and these idols and things like that, and you don't know God, and someone tells you, hey, God told us to do this, well, your natural response is, well, I don't know God. Why would I trust that? But let's go a little deeper here. If you don't have a true relationship with the Lord, the first thing I want you guys to write down is you'll dismiss his word and do what you think is best. See, if you had no idea who God was, you didn't know the Bible, you didn't grow up in church, then naturally you would just do whatever you thought was best in life. You, know, you wouldn't look to a God because you didn't know God, so you would do whatever you thought was best. Now, the problem with that, and we're going to see this with Pharaoh, is humans don't know what's best for them. Okay? Because we have that simple human nature, what we think is the best thing for me, I mean, what, what Bradley thinks is the best thing for Bradley's life, is not ultimately going to be the best thing for me. Because unfortunately, humans were selfish and were very self centered. And so we're only going to do things that build ourselves up, promote ourselves, get ourselves to the highest ranking. So like, for instance, being Pharaoh, 
you're the highest in the land. So if someone comes in and tries to threaten your authority, you're just going to probably kill them or send them off or laugh at them. You're going to punish them as we're going to see here with Pharaoh. You know, and, and, and vice versa in life. You're not going to do things that God calls us to. You're going to do the complete opposite because you're going to do whatever promoting yourself. It's all, it's all going to be about me, me, me. And um, I want you guys to think about something in your own life today. If we understand that this is how a non-Christian acts, how somebody that doesn't know God acts, then we have to make sure we're acting differently. If we know that somebody that doesn't know God doesn't follow God's word and just does whatever they think is right, then if we're a Christian, we have to make sure that we're living differently than that. We are reading God's word. We are looking to him for advice. Whatever he calls us to do, even though it may not be what necessarily Bradley thinks is best in the moment, or maybe it's uncomfortable for me, we're going to trust that his plan is better than ours, and we're going to proceed with that. So I want you guys to think about, think about something here today. How many of you guys see Christians that accept parts of the Bible, but not the whole Bible? I'm to know what you mean. It happens a lot. Yeah. There's, so think about this. So this mindset, again, roots from the Pharaoh mindset. If somebody that doesn't know God, you're going to do whatever you think is right, whatever you feel is right, whatever you feel like in the moment. So if I'm a boy and I feel like dating a boy, I'm just going to do it. You know, if I'm, although most people don't just naturally feel that, but again, um, if I'm a boy and I feel like going out and vandalizing something just for fun, I'm going to do it. You know, if I'm a boy and I feel like being reckless and going to this party and getting drunk and doing some crazy things, then I'm just going to do it because it makes me happy in the moment. You live, you live for the moment. So if we're, if, we, if we're saying that we're not going to act that way and we're a Christian and we're going we're gonna to live by how God calls us to, then we can't just accept parts of the Bible and then ignore the parts that are uncomfortable for us. And unfortunately, that's what a lot of churches and Christians are beginning to do. They take out parts of the Bible that is uncomfortable to talk about, it's uncomfortable to them, uh, maybe it, it, it's, it's um, convicting, maybe they're living in sin and they're like, oh gosh, you know, that's kind of uncomfortable for me, I have to live differently. So they just ignore those parts of the Bible and say, well, I'm just going to follow this instead. But being a Christian is just like anything else in life. If you're not all in, if you're not fully committed, then you might as well not be committed at all. Because um, Jesus says to be a follower of me, you must deny what? Anybody know? Yourself. Yourself. And it says pick up your cross and follow who? Pick up your cross and follow who? Me. Me, yeah, Jesus, yeah. So think about that concept today. You know, again, if you're going to be like Moses and Aaron, that was uncomfortable for them. They didn't want to go talk to Pharaoh. Okay, Pharaoh didn't like them. He didn't believe in the same God they did. They didn't want to go tell him, hey, by the way, God told us to tell you, you got to go do this. That was extremely uncomfortable. Okay, but because Moses and Aaron trusted God above their own self, they said, I'm going to do this because we're going to trust that God's going to do something miraculous through this process. He's going to be with us. So I want you guys to think about areas in the Bible that maybe are uncomfortable to you, uncomfortable to other people, and they skip over it. Again, being a Christian is denying ourselves what we think is right, what we want to do, what we think is the best thing, and saying whatever you say you can do, Jesus, whatever your Bible says entirely, we're going to follow it. And we're going to trust that your plan is better than ours. And when you do that, God blesses you.
And it says all throughout the Bible, when you live in the way that God calls you to, he gives you that love, that joy, that peace. And ultimately, God says that even though the world may hate you and persecute you, when you get to heaven, you're going to receive rewards from me that last for all eternity. And those rewards will far outlast anything, any kind of human praise, any rewards you can get on earth, and it will be worth it in the end. So I want you to think about that. What you do now matters. How you live your life does matter, and it matters for all eternity. Even though maybe you guys already are a Christian, well, your eternity is set in heaven. But still how you live matters. It matters about when you get to heaven, you know, how, how that conversation goes, the rewards you get in heaven. The, how you live on earth does matter. Uh, and sometimes churches don't preach that because even though you're a Christian, your eternity is set in heaven, it still matters how you live. Um, and that's the first thing here we see with Pharaoh. Number two we see with Pharaoh is pretty interesting. Listen to verse three. It says, So they said, The God of the Hebrews has met us. Please let us go three days' journey into the desert and sacrifice to the Lord our God lest he fall upon us with pestilence or with a sword. Then the king of Egypt, which is Pharaoh, said to them, Moses and Aaron, why do you take the people from their work? Get back to your labor. And Pharaoh said, look, the people on the land are many now, and you make them rest from their labor. So the same day, Pharaoh commanded the taskmakers of the people and their officers, saying, you shall no longer give the people straw to make brick as before. Let them go and gather straw for themselves, and you shall lay on them the quota of bricks which they made before. You shall not reduce it, for they are idle. Therefore they cry out, saying, Let us go and sacrifice to our God. So because of this, let more work be laid upon them, that they may labor in it, and let them not regard false words. So Pharaoh gets so upset that... He tells them, I'm not only going to not follow what your God is telling me, but I'm also going to make the labor on the people almost unbearable. So the people in the land that were the Israelites, if you remember from a few chapters ago, this new Pharaoh came in. He didn't have the same respect as the other Pharaoh did. And so he was punishing the Israelites, making them work and do hard labor and things like that. Well, he, he would basically provide them straw and materials and they would have to make bricks and other things throughout the day. Well, instead, he said, now I'm not going to provide any materials for you. I'm going to make you go out and get the materials, but you still have to do the same amount of work you're doing before. So if your goal was to make 50 bricks a day with the materials provided, now you have to go find your own materials and still make 50 bricks a day or you'll get punished. And as you see later on, they beat, the, they beat them because they don't follow it. They don't make the quota. They, they, they yell at them. They're mean to them. So Pharaoh's pretty hostile toward the people. And that's the second kind of point I want you guys to think about in our world today and people that don't know God. If you don't know who God is and you have no knowledge, then you may be hostile toward those that do love God. Um, so I want you guys to listen to something here. I was looking this up earlier today. I was doing some research. I thought it was kind of interesting I want to go, I want to read you guys off this article. This is from the Washington Post. Uh, it came out I think yesterday actually, so pretty pretty relative. Um, and this is what it says. It says the United States has long prided itself 
on people's freedom to choose whatever religion they like. The majority has long chosen Christianity, which I think we can agree with. This new survey that came out says that by 2070, so you're looking at about 50 years from now, that may no longer be the case. According to the Pew Research Center, if current trends continue, Christians can make up less than half of the population and as little as a third in 50 years. Meanwhile, the religiously unaffiliated, or they call themselves the nuns now, N-O-N-E-S, not the nuns, it's Catholics, could make up close to half the population. And the, and the percentage of Americans who identify as Muslims, Jews, Hindus, Buddhists, and adherents of other non-Christian faiths could double in size. It also says here, discrimination in America today, it says to examine that question, I looked at academia, which is, you may know what academia is? With that in titles? It's like schools. Um, so like colleges, universities, maybe even high schools, things like that. Um, so it says an area where one expert to find the top highly educated progressive secularist likely to have anti-Christian animosity. I asked academics if they would be less willing to hire someone who's either a fundamentalist or an evangelist, which is basically somebody that, or evangelical, which is like somebody that believes in the Bible or hardcore believes like you have to follow everything in the Bible, which is not a bad thing. So that's kind of what a fundamentalist is or evangelical. The, the study found that more than half would be less willing to hire a fundamentalist and almost two in five would be less willing to hire an evangelical. The academics answering my survey explicitly stated they would discriminate against a job candidate who is a conservative Protestant, which means like somebody that goes to like Baptist, Methodist, churches like that. Non-Catholic. Non-Catholic. What do you guys think about that? I mean, this is not a Christian article. This is the Washington Post, okay? Um, and it came out like yesterday, so this is a very relevant article. Um, think about that, like academia, our colleges, our high schools, a lot of them are less likely to hire people that are Christians than people that aren't. Yeah. And, then, and the reason that is is because there's a lot of what they call it liberal agenda, which is like anti-biblical agenda that's being pushed in schools now. And they know if you're a Christian, then you're going to go against that agenda. And it's going to cause problems for them. So they just don't hire Christians anymore if they know that. What you guys think about how that, that, that trend? And they said the trend in America continues in 50 years. They're estimating like 47% of America would identify as Christian. That's the lowest number in history. What? Yeah. What is it? Uh, 47%. And they said uh, they estimate that 41% would identify as no religion at all. 41% of America. They said if we keep continuing on the track that we're on currently, in 50 years, they expect America to 41% of Americans to say they have no religion at all. That's sad. So I want you guys to think about that in your life today. This, all of this concept happened way back in Exodus. It's still happening today. People don't, people don't know God. And when you don't know God, then you start to worship and live in the way opposite of God. And that's I mean, isn't it a, a challenge. And also, although it's sad to hear this, I think it should be an encouragement in some ways to us and a challenge to us that you guys are the next generation, okay? You guys are the, are the ones that will be coming up in this society. 
uh, that's becoming more and more anti-Christian. And you have a way to influence that society. By the way you live, the way you talk to people, the way you treat people, and how you talk about God. Because if Christians never talk about God, if Christians don't live the way the Bible tells us to live, then why would anybody else live differently? You know, if we're, if, if we're becoming the minority, then we have to make sure that we stand strong in our beliefs, we love people well, we're kind to people, we stand up for the truth, because if we don't, the rest of the world is not going to. And then we're going to see this continue down this trend. Um, and last, I want you guys to hear this last part here. When you don't know the Lord, you will likely blame him or his people for everything that goes wrong in the world today. Anybody ever see this with people that blame God for everything? Oh, yeah. yeah. Um, so again, this is not a new concept. It happens in Exodus too. Let's know what Pharaoh does next. It says here, starting in verse 15, then the officers of the children of Israel came and cried out to Pharaoh, saying, Why are you dealing thus with your servants so harshly? There is no straw given to your servants. And they say to us, Make brick. And indeed your servants are beaten, but the fault is in your own people. But he said, You are idle, idle. Therefore you say, Let us go and sacrifice to the Lord. Therefore go now and work, for no straw shall be given to you, Yet you shall deliver the quota of bricks. And the officers of the children of Israel saw that they were in trouble after it was said. And they said, You shall not reduce any bricks from your daily quota. Then now catch this. As they came out from Pharaoh, they met Moses and Aaron, who stood there to meet them. And they said to them, Let the Lord look on you and judge, because you have made us appear in the sight of Pharaoh and in the sight of his servants, to put a sword in their hand to kill us. So Moses returned to the Lord and said, Lord, why have you brought trouble on this people? Why is it you have sent me? For since I came to Pharaoh to speak in your name, he has done evil to the people, neither you have delivered your people at all. Now Moses, well, the Lord will respond to Moses and explain to him why they're having to go through this in later chapters and why he's allowing Pharaoh to, you know, in, you know uh, incorporate this punishment. Um, but right now, Pharaoh basically blames God, you know, and says it's your guys' fault. You know, this punishment that I'm giving to you, I'm not taking it back. It's your fault because you believe in God and you came to me asking this stuff about saying God has to let my people go. And because you wanted to go and worship and praise God, you deserve this punishment. So he basically blames the people. When people say, well, why are you doing this, Pharaoh? He's like, well, because you believe in God. And so because of that, you deserve this punishment. And he basically puts the blame back on God and saying, well, it's all his fault. You know, he's the one telling you to say these things because now you're going through all this. So what do you guys think about this, this concept? You can write this down if you want to. A lot of times people in our world today will say that everything bad that happens is God's fault. Why does he not stop it? Why does he not do something about it? But if you think about this, nothing bad ever would have happened in the world had humans not sinned. Sin is the cause of all the evil in the world today. Had we not turned against God, nothing bad would happen right now. Cancer wouldn't be a thing. Death wouldn't be a thing. Disease, uh, murders, rapes, things like that. None of that was in God's original plan. You know, God's original plan was for humans to live in this garden, 
to obey his commands, which was anything but that, and to enjoy his presence. And he was going to bless them with all they could ever need in the garden. But because we chose to go against God, we authored sin into the world. And when sin came into the world, everything opposite of how God intended it began to happen. And God could have left us there, but that's why he sent Jesus to come to die on the cross for our sins so we put our faith in him, we can be forgiven and still have eternal life with him after we die. He would take the place of the punishment that we deserve. But he didn't take, but God didn't take away the sin that we caused. That was our fault. And so that's kind of our, our punishment is that we live in this world that's broken and that eventually we'll die. Um, it's because of us. It's not because that God wanted that originally. So I want us to think about that. When somebody is telling you, why doesn't God just stop this? Why doesn't God just take this away? Well, had it not been for our sinful actions, this wouldn't have happened. You know, this is not what God wanted either. But now, sometimes God allows things to happen for a bigger reason. And because, you know, there, there is sin in the world now, sometimes God will allow bad things to happen to good people to show people his glory and to show them his presence and to lead others to him that maybe wouldn't come to him otherwise. And there's sometimes there's bigger things going on that we can't even see. So, but again, none of this would have happened had he was not sinned originally. And I think that's a really good perspective to kind of give people sometimes. They want to blame God for everything. Some people like Pharaoh that, you know, they're, just, they're so hostile and mean toward Christians and, and toward God. And they believe that God's just trying to overthrow them. And he's this, this mean God that says he's either my way or you go to hell kind of thing. That's just not the case. You know, God wanted us to all live with him and enjoy his presence forever in a perfect garden where he's going to give us everything. We're the ones that broke that. And in all honesty, he didn't have to send Jesus to die on the cross for our sins. He could have just said, okay, you're going to die and you'll be separated forever from me. But that's how much God truly loves us. So although bad things may happen to us in our world today, in our lives, the overarching picture is, 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 is truly God's love, unconditional that we don't deserve. And so I want you guys to just think through some people in your life as we close. And you can write down the names if you have one or two people that maybe you feel like it's, it's just hostile to God, that they're, they're just totally turned off from the gospel, or maybe they didn't grow up in church and they just don't know God. And I want you just to pray for them throughout this week. Pray that God softens their heart. And if you can find a way this week, try to find a way to just talk to them. You know, share a positive word with them. And as you're talking to them, try to throw God in the conversation. You know, you can do that while talking about your church. But like, hey, you know, last night we had a great lesson uh, on Wednesday night. I really enjoyed it. We had a good time with our friends. We had some good cake at church last night. You know, try to mention church. Try to mention God in your conversations. And then hopefully that opens up a bigger door where you can share the gospel with them and show them how much God truly does love them. And that will change their life. And if you are a Christian, just remember... Make sure you're not living like a non-Christian. Because if we want to change this trend, if we, if we don't want to see America 47% Christians in 50 years, if we want to see America 80% Christian in 50 years, then we have to, Christians themselves have to start living like Christians. We have to live differently. And when we do, the world around us will take notice. Because if you truly live the way God calling you to, you're going to have this love, this joy, this peace about you that the world's not going to have from the simple ways they're living. And they're going to be drawn to seeing how does Bradley have that? And you can point them back to Christ. So let me pray for us and we'll discuss. Lord, thank you so much for showing us 
your, your truth here in Exodus 5, that even way back then, people were hostile towards you and turned off from you and, and, and you know, punish Christians just for being Christian. But God asks that we don't let that stop us, that we know that our reward truly lies in heaven one day, and that we follow and obey you. Ask that no matter what you're calling us to, we do that, God, knowing that your plan is better than ours, and that we seek ways to minister to others, to share your truth with those around us, and to lead them to you, knowing that the more and more people we can lead to you, the more our society will change for you, and the better and the more your kingdom will grow, and we'll stop this trend. In your holy and precious name we pray. Amen. Amen.